This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back. Welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Friday, November 3rd, 2023 edition of Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I'm excited to close out the week with you. It was a busy week, an interesting week, and most of all, a very green week, very bullish. And if you go back to my, go watch my YouTube video from last weekend kind of hinted at this. So we're at support. We're heading into the Fed meeting. There's good data that's saying, hey, the Fed should pause. They've been talking about that for some time. Uh, Last couple weeks saying, hey, the long end of the curve did the job for us. Therefore, we should pause. That's basically, that was basically the rhetoric. Market wasn't really listening though, right? Market was selling off into the week. And we got a rally to start the week. We got that confirmation on the Fed meeting on Wednesday, and we got more confirmation today in regards to the jobs market. And the jobs was weak. And we're going to dig into that a little bit more, the details. But this flows nicely into our upcoming wealth webinar, which is in regards to a recession and investing in a recession. And it's titled Profit Amidst Chaos, Strategic Investing in a Recession. That's coming up November 9th. It's happening online. So wherever you are with internet connection, you can join us. And it's free. But you do have to register. We're going to talk about how the next recession is likely to compare to previous ones. Which sectors tend to do well and others not so well going into a recession and how you should adjust your portfolio accordingly and how to also use this as a time to find opportunities because I know it sounds weird. I know it's hard to understand, but you should be from an investment perspective, hoping for a recession should it's painful in the, in the near term if you're not positioned correctly, true. But the best opportunities in the markets come during a recession. And leaning out of a recession, markets tend to rise dramatically. So on the other side comes good news. But that also doesn't mean you just go all the cash. doesn't mean you just hide out and... In the shadows, <clears throat> but it is, does say you, you are to be more selective. So we're going to talk about all of this on this upcoming new Invest Talk Wealth webinar, November 9th. It is free, but you do need to register. All right, now on today's job at hand, keep in mind, I will be providing a lot of data, 
as well as my unbiased perspective developed over 20 plus years of investment experience. We're going to talk about the market performance today. As usual, we'll run down some show topics, but first we're going to hit our first caller question now. Hi there, this is uh, Harry from uh, Hayward, California. I had a question for you regarding Altera, ticker symbol MO. I know it's not the most, I guess, uh, socially accepted business that they're in, but it company appears to be a cash cow, and I just want to get your thoughts on uh, making a position or uh, acquiring some shares in that company. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, this is Altria Group. This is the dom- domestic version of Philip Morris. They split up, I don't know how many years ago. I forget exactly when that was. When was that? Split up some years ago. And basically, there's Philip Morris International PM is a symbol, and then there's Altria MO. We had a call about this, I think, last week. Maybe it was earlier this week, but it was all about the what was better, right? Owning Phil Morris or Altria. And I said, Phil Morris, mainly because hey, the balance sheet's better, the business is better, there's growth, whereas Altria has a lot of debt and it is shrinking, right? Revenue growth has been negative for at least eight quarters previous eight quarters and they have, yes, they, they have good cash flow. That's certainly true, but they also have a good amount of debt as well. About 25 billion in long-term debt on a $71 billion market cap. Now they can afford it, but it's a shrinking or melting ice cube. So we say there's no growth here. And that's my worry. The technicals are poor. You're getting a little bounce now, but the technicals are bad. There's no way around it. Relative strength is only 37. And you're probably attracted to that 9.5% dividend yield. But as I've said before, over the past number of months, this is not a market where you chase yield. This is a market where you focus on businesses that can sustain a dividend. It's about sustainability of a dividend. You know, you know, in the bond market, they always say, uh, we want, I want return of capital as opposed to return of capital. Sorry, return of capital instead of return on capital. Well, that's kind of the new mantra here in the equity markets in, when it comes to bonds. It's not necessarily the return of capital, but the sustainability of a dividend over the level of the dividend. That's far more important in today's market. And it always is, but even more so in today's world because so many companies have layered on debt with at cheap rates. And some of them have done so in a smart way, termed that out over a long period of time and the higher rates aren't affecting them. But no matter what, if you have a melting ice cube, that high debt level is going to be a problem no matter where rates are. And that's why you've seen MO in a long-term downtrend. Really gone nowhere. Let's go. Let's zoom out to a monthly here. Yeah, it peaked out in 2017. At a hundred or say seventy-seven dollars and change, now we're at forty and change. 
So once again, it is a melting ice cube. You do not want to be buying that and chasing that yield. All right. Now, as we go to a break, let me remind you to check out our new InvestTalk Classroom series. It's streaming now for free on our YouTube channel. Episode 12, titled Investing Investment Strategies for Short-Selling Stocks. We know that sometimes in markets, opportunities are selling versus just buying. So to learn more about the investment strategies for short-selling stocks, just search Classroom on YouTube. And now the phone lines are open, waiting for your questions at 888-99-CHART. Get ready for the next Invest Talk Wealth Webinar Profit Amidst Chaos Strategic Investing in a Recession. The Wealth Webinar will be presented online and free of charge, but you have to register in advance to reserve your spot. How could the next recession differ from previous events? With the right strategies, you can safeguard your investments and also seize unique opportunities. So join Invest Talk hosts Justin Klein and Luke Guerrero of KPP Financial as they take you through the maze of mysteries involved with investing in times of recession. Tell your friends about the next Invest Talk Wealth Webinar. It's happening live, online, and free Thursday, November 9th from 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific Time. Go to investtalk.com and register now. One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888 99Chart. All right, we now have a lot of ground to cover over the next 40 minutes, and this is what I have planned, time permitting. Now, my main focus point looks in the story behind this question. What is the right 401k contribution rate? Now, depending on hypothetical portfolio returns and individual income forecasts, there are various model assumptions that we're going to look at, and there are a wide range of outcomes based on when you start as opposed to – and also what the returns you get – on your portfolio. So we're going to talk about contributing to your 401k and what might be the best contribution rate for retirement planning in your 401k account. Also, we're going to touch on the jobs report. That was the big news today. And we're going to dig into the details and kind of link that up with yesterday's weekly jobless claims report and the productivity report that also came out yesterday. So a lot of jobs data over the last couple of days. And then what do what do higher rates signal about the market? And is this the end of the new normal? That was coined, I believe it was Mohammed El Arian, the famed bond market analyst. Uh, he was the co-CIO at PIMCO, I think at the time. Now he's at, where is he? Is that another firm? I forget. But he kind of coined the term new normal. The new normal was, hey, low rates. That was post-financial crisis. Well, now we're post-COVID. So what is this telling us about the overall uh, economy and markets? And then Japan. 
Japanese bond market. I know, boring. Japanese bond market, people don't want to talk about it, but it does have a large, long-ranging implications for U.S. corporate credit because there are a lot of – it's called the Japanese – it's the, the carry trade. And there's a lot of money that flows into the corporate bond market. So what will the change in the yield curve control over there? What impact will it have on other markets? So that's what's on the docket. We're also going to get to some voice bank questions. One is on collecting Social Security and NI, NISource. And I'll try to fit an iTunes view question as well. And it's Friday, so we're going to try to share some excerpts from the newest KPP Premium Newsletter that comes out tomorrow. All right. Let's take a look at the market today. It was it was very green. Can't say anything else, but green across the board and mostly small caps. Small caps were up 2.45% on average. And this is all because interest rates came down. The jobs number disappointed, and it was the first obviously weak jobs report in a while. The 10-year moved down 11 basis points. Remember when the 10-year was right sitting at 5%? We actually never got to 5%. It was 4.99, but let's just call it 5%. Well, now we're at 4.55, 8%. So nearly a 50 basis point drop in just this, just a matter of two weeks. Now, it's going to have implications for the economy. As the Fed said, hey, the long end is doing the work for us. It moved from 3.75 back in June, 4% back in August, and hit 5. That was a 100 basis point move. Well, roughly half of that move from August has been unwound in just a matter of a week or so. And so that's an important factor. Will we get to Bad jobs reports in a row? We'll find out when the first Friday of December rolls around. But that was really the news that really gave this relief rally. And like I said on my video on YouTube, I do one pretty much every weekend now. And I go over the markets and what I'm seeing in charts. You'll be able to see my charts and all of that. It's it's A lot of people love it. I don't think a lot of people know too much about it. But what I said was, we hit support. Now, I didn't think we were going to get a rally this strong this quickly. You know, we went from 4,100 basically on the S&P and we closed today at 4,350. Did did I think we were going to have 150 basis, 150 point, sorry, 250 point rise in the S&P in just a week? No, I did not. But we did. And that is a bullish reversal. It's a bullish reversal headed in to... The holiday season. We're only a few weeks away from Thanksgiving. That means there's only a handful of weeks left in the year. And so, well, I guess maybe two handfuls, right? Uh, So, you're likely to have some consolidation. We are into some resistance. But... I think with the yield curve or coming back down, coming back in, right? 10 years coming coming to four and a half, roughly. That's going to give some unwinding of bearish bets, short covering, and probably a light volume float into year end. All right. 
We're going to do a quick break. Please remember you can call anytime at 888-99-CHART. Justin Klein is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. All right, my focus point looks in the story behind this question. What is the right 401k contribution rate for you? And there are a lot of, there's, there's a really good model here that was uh, set up by this writer and you can check out, check out, you always, I don't know if you know this, but uh, our main focus point, we, we highlight uh, an article and sometimes we agree with the articles and sometimes we don't uh, sometime and it comes from various sources and a lot of times it just gives, you know, good data and that's what this is. Um, and now 401, you know, you're contributing to your 401k for most people is pretty simple. Go through your employer, you have a max contribution, rate of 22,500 if you're over 50 it's 30,000 but for most people that number is unrealistic right? you don't make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year where you can just put away 10% of your money and max that out easily so what does this model do well it assumes it, what it's doing is trying to find out what is the right rate for everybody and there are a lot of variables though that go into what the right rate is first is when do you start how old are you when you start. Okay. And then what are the returns that you're going to get? And then when you retire, and for this assumption, it's they're retiring at 67, filing for social security immediately at full retirement age, and then withdrawing from the 401k accounts and adjusting that withdrawal at about a four and a half percent annual inflation rate, which is pretty aggressive. I will say that. And that there's no other additional savings. Okay, it's just those two, Social Security and 401k. And then there's two income targets, either 80% of income or 70% of your working age income. So there's a, a main goal and then maybe a lower goal. And they assume kind of standard long-term, there's a low, medium, and high scenario for stocks and bonds. They keep bonds at about 2.3%. I think that's actually too low considering rates are higher now, and stocks uh, between 25 and 7.5% annually. And these are real returns, okay, after inflation. So that, those are reasonable. Now, what this basically is telling you is, number one, is age matters the most. It's when you start. So if you start at 25, contributing to your 401k, and you're getting that full match, 4% is enough to replace 70% of your income. Just 4%. But that's in a high return scenario. So that's best case scenario. So at minimum, you should be saving at least 4% of your, of your income. Now, if you, that's if you start at 25. If you start at 30, it's going to be fifth, at least 5%. If you start at 35, it's at least 7%. If you start at 40, it's 10.5%. If you start at 45, 15% of your income. That's if you get the best case scenario returns from markets. If you get the worst case scenario, at 25, you're going to have to save 9.5% of your pay. 
And if you start at 45, 22% of your pay. Now, if you want the full 80% replacement, the minimum is going to be 5.5%. The medium return, the medium expected return, kind of the middle expectation is about 8.5% of your paycheck at the age of 25 consistently. So, I would say that 5.5% of your income is the bare minimum. Bare minimum. And the goal should probably actually start at 8.5. This is if you're 25. If you started at 25. If you start later, so you start at 30 or, or later, you're basically going to need to do 10% or more. And then performance does matter. So you need to have the right allocation mix. You don't want to be sitting in cash because your real return is going to be negative probably. So you need to have a consistent dollar-cost averaging approach into a strategy that makes sense for you so you don't get freaked out. And you also can't borrow from your 401k. Okay? Vanguard, they see one in five of their eligible employees not even contribute to the 401k. They work at Vanguard. Half of Americans admit they have withdrawn from their retirement accounts early. So don't be that half. And then discipline matters. So doing this consistently. Now, what I would say is you need to start probably at least five and a half, probably eight and a half. And then there's a lot of increases that happen automatically. A lot of of plans account for that. And every year it goes up 1%. And that's what I would recommend, right? Because you usually get a raise every year to some degree. And some of that raise should go to funding your retirement. So if you want to look the numbers deeper, you can head over to our website and find that article. But it's pretty interesting to see that for especially those in the lower end of the income spectrum, that you definitely need to start early and you need to have that auto escalation feature kick in every year as your income goes up. All right, Frank for San Jose, hang on. You will be next. And on Monday's Invest Talk, we'll look at the story set up by this headline. Housing market affordability has plunged to the lowest level since 1985. That's Monday, but for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your calls at 888 chart eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, 
It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. How can you preserve and grow your capital during the chaos of a recession? Tell your friends about the next Invest Talk Wealth Webinar Profit Amidst Chaos Strategic Investing in a Recession. It's happening live, online, and free Thursday, November 9th. Go to investtalk.com and register now. Let's go to Frank in San Jose looking at WDS Woodside Energy. You own it or looking to buy it? Yeah, I, I, I've owned it for, for many years, and I just want to know if I should keep holding it. Well, it's hard to know exactly without looking at your portfolio as a whole. Obviously, this is an energy name, and we like energy uh, stocks. Now, this is paying a nice, healthy dividend, 10% dividend yield, but it is also underperforming the broader index, right? So if I look at... Uh, XLE to this position to WDS and run a ratio. XLE's been an uptrend basically since early 2021 in a pretty big way. They're getting a little better dividend, so you have to count for that. But overall, it's been underperforming. Its relative strength is 50. XLE's relative strength is 75. So clearly, there are a lot of other companies that are performing better. Now, for everyone else, Woodside Energy is an Australian oil and gas name. Okay, so... It's mostly, it's mostly uh, liquefied petroleum, petroleum isn't it? Uh, well, it is, it is... Yeah, liquefied natural gas is part of it. Uh, let's see, what else? Yeah, it's, that's its main business, liquefied nat- natural gas, which obviously in a world where LNG prices are higher, this is doing well. Now, the question is, if you want to play LNG, wouldn't you want to play LNG in a jurisdiction that has cheaper natural gas prices like the United States? Okay. Like Chenier Energy is a good okay. example, right? The symbol is LNG. I'm not saying you go buy that one, but that's obviously done way better. The relative strength is 89, but it doesn't pay much of a dividend, right? The dividend is right around 1% as opposed to 10. And this is the perfect example of why uh, dividends aren't the end-all be-all. It's only part of the total return. And you have done much better owning LNG over the past few years than you would have owning this. So it's important to understand. Yeah, it's important to understand the business. Uh, and I'm not saying you go sell this and buy LNG. I'm just saying if you wanted to stay in the natural gas or, or in the liquefied natural gas space, then clearly LNG is going to do much, much better because it has a competitive advantage. Uh, Woodside is near Japan, which imports a lot of natural gas, but it's probably equally far away from Europe, which also is now importing a lot of natural gas. That's what uh, Chenier Energy, LNG, is getting uh, a big boost of the business from. So, you know, that's the way to think about it. First is, do I want more, you want to continue to stay in the LNG space? Then you'll have better options. Or do you just buy a pure EMP company 
right, exploration and production company that is more diversified, uh, not just in LNG, but in, say, natural, you know, regular natural gas sales, uh, as well as oil, natural gas liquids, uh, other types of, you know, but it's a more diversified business than just this. Uh, I would lean towards that. I would lean towards an EMP company, but I also don't know the rest of your portfolio, right? Do you have other EMP companies and maybe an LNG name no. is something? Yeah. So then I would be the best, the better place to be in this market is a well-run, well-diversified EMP company that is growing its output. And that's okay, what would be you. better than this. Okay. Thanks for the call. All right, now the KAPP Premium Newsletter was finished today, and it will be distributed to subscribers tomorrow morning. And I have a preview. In the market conditions section, we explain that U.S. stocks and bond prices saw gains today, largely due to a significant slowdown in hiring. This deceleration in the labor market has led many to speculate the Federal Reserve might hold off on raising interest rates again. Futures markets now indicate a potential rating interest rate cut as early as May, with market expectations for December rate hike plummeting to a mere 10%. Now, in October, U.S. job creation showed signs of slowdown, aligning with the broader narrative of an impending economic slowdown. The unemployment rate climbed to 3.9, marking the highest point since January of 2022, nearly two years. Now, in a broader perspective, the global economy has demonstrated resilience with notable growth trajectories like the U.S. economy annualizing uh, at a rate of 4.9% in Q3. Economy showing signs of finally slowing. The Fed will likely take this as a signal that rate hikes have done their job. We anticipate a pause in the end of the year that will likely cut uh, in Q2. Until then, the market should provide a great opportunity to allocate towards low debt companies with healthy balance sheets. And there's a lot more commentary on the broader market conditions in the newsletter. In the stock ideas section, we highlight a company that owns the rights to some of the most Globally recognized characters that are featured in several theme parks around the world, makes live action anime films, and operates media networks as well. And a leading manufacturer in the tissue and hygiene realm. Popular brand mix firm operates KNC Professional, which partners with businesses to provide safety and sanitary products for the workplace. Generates half over half of its sales here in North America and 10% in Europe and the rest Asia in Asia and Latin America. We need names over in the newsletter. All right. Now I've given you a little sample. You can subscribe. You can receive the full edition via email each Saturday. They give us as they also get you also get the portfolio management section and consumer watch section as well. And you can subscribe anytime at investtalk.com. All right, let's touch on the jobs report and dig into the details a little bit more. Now the unemployment rate, as uh, I said in that newsletter snippet, rose to 3.9%. That was up from 3.8 in September. And the overall economy only added 101,000 jobs. Excuse me, 150,000 jobs. The analyst or economist average poll from Reuters was 180,000 jobs. That's down from the downwardly revised 297,000 jobs. And that's the issue here, is that there were... Once again, in August and September, downwardly revised numbers to the tune of 101,000. So if you combine the 101,000 and subtract that from the 150, that's 49,000 net jobs added. Very different picture. 
the most stark number that tells you this is a true slowdown in hiring is that only 52% of private sector industries reported increases in employment. Only 52. The lowest level since April of 2020 in the midst of the COVID shutdowns. That's compared to 61.4 in September. That is a nearly a 10% drop. And hiring was led by non-cyclical sectors, healthcare, 58,000 jobs, government, 51,000 jobs. Right there, that's 109,000 jobs. We only added 150. Construction did add 23,000, so that's cyclical, but we talked about how construction jobs are likely to remain relatively robust. Leisure and hospitality, which have been doing very, very well, only added 19,000 jobs. Over the last 12 months, the the average was 52,000 within that space. So obviously, cyclical part of the market, one that had been benefiting from the COVID lockdowns and everyone coming out and traveling. Well, that's slowed down dramatically. And the transporting, transportation and warehousing industries suffered job losses, as did information industry, basically tech. And then the average hour, hourly earnings up 0.2% in October from 0.3% in September. And in the 12 months through October, wages increased 4.1% down from 4.3% in September. Average hours worked shrank from 34.3 to 30, sorry, 34.4 to 34.3. And aggregate hours worked actually fell 0.3%. And the annual growth in average hourly earnings remains above three and a half. So we are still at 4.1, but that three and a half is consistent with the Fed's 2% target typically. So we're getting close to that 3.5% level that would give the Fed even more reason to pause. And then if you look at the, the uh, what's it called? The household survey. Yeah, it's called the household survey. This is what they use to derive the unemployment rate. It's kind of interesting. There's actually two different studies that they, that they look at here. So you might see number of jobs gained, the unemployment rate. They're not the same report. They're two separate reports but obviously talking about jobs. And that showed household unemployment fell 348,000 jobs. Now, 201,000 fell out of the labor force, mainly that's because of strikes, UAW as well as Hollywood. And this created a lower participation rate, which usually drops the unemployment rate. But in fact, unemployment rate ticked up 0.1% 0.1% as opposed to the participation rate dropped 0.1. So effectively, if the participation rate was flat, unemployment rate would have hit that 4% level. Now, the ranks of Americans experiencing long-term unemployment, that increased 66,000. And there's also an increase in people working multiple jobs. So a lot of data here. And it was mostly pretty clear the unemployment situation or the employment situation across the country is weakening, especially in the cyclical parts of the economy. And that's what's most important. 
you can have governments hiring all day long, but eventually they have limited budgets. They're going to stop. Healthcare, that's non-cyclical. The, the ability or the ability to, or the Fed to impact that is pretty minimal. And mainly it's about the rest of the, the economy. And the only cyclical area that did well was really construction. We kind of know why that is because there's still demand for new homes because there aren't existing homes coming on market. So that was the gist of it. And it's pretty clear that we're entering this much slower phase in the economy, but that does not mean we're going to recession right away. I actually think Q2, Q3 next year is probably the time that a recession starts somewhere in there, which means probably still six months away, which means there can still be opportunities in the markets. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about some key benchmarks. I like to give some rundowns. The two-year treasury yield was at 4.8%. Down from 5.015% just one week ago and 5.05% back three weeks ago. Six weeks ago is 5.12. So we've moved down 40 basis points, roughly. Sorry, 30 basis points in roughly six weeks. Basically, market pricing out an entire cut or entire uh, increase in rates and the potential for a cut. The 10-year was at 455 down from, like I said, 5% just a couple weeks ago. Gold is at 1994 an ounce. Last week was 205, so down a bit. But still consolidating right around that $2,000 mark, which is bullish. Silver, 2321, up from 2275 three weeks ago. Also hanging in there. Oil, selling at $80.80 per barrel, down from last week, 8493 and down from three weeks ago at 87.44. So we're starting to see oil with a little bit of weakening, but overall still in a longer term uptrend. Average gasoline price $3.43 down from 3.51 last week and 3.85 six weeks ago. So pretty big pullback in gasoline prices. Here in California, we're paying $5.18. That's down from $5.78 just six weeks ago. Compared to Indiana, that's the cheapest in the country, $3.28 per gallon. All right, let's grab another caller question now. Hi, Steve. Would like your opinion of the XLE for a long-term hold. Thank you. Well, this kind of ties into the caller before. XLE is just broad exposure to the energy space, mainly oil and gas. And, you know, the biggest issue with it is that you're only, you're getting mainly exposure to Chevron and Exxon. Those are by far the two largest positions in this portfolio. I believe it's somewhere around 50%. Trying to pull up the chart here. My internet today is being a little slower than it usually is. But yeah, it's roughly about 50%. If I'm remembering correctly. And so if you don't want to do a lot of work, you just want exposure to the space, can't do much worse than this. Sorry, 
Much worse? Much, much better than this. Yeah, can't do much better than this. 10% or sorry, 10 basis point expense ratio, pretty low, 0.1% annually. And you're getting pretty broad diversification. Now, there are only 23 holdings. 22% of this is Exxon, 17% is Chevron. So combined, you're talking about 30, call it 40% of the portfolio in just those two names. But I like it, right? I, I like this space. It's pulled back into support. And if you don't want to do a deep dive and try to find the best EMP companies in the world and you want to keep it simple, this is a solid ETF for that. All right, this is talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal year each and every weekday, and that's to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So if you're going to call, you need to do that right now at 888-99-CHART. Get ready for the next Invest Talk Wealth Webinar Profit Amidst Chaos. Strategic Investing in a Recession. Set for November 9th, the Wealth Webinar will be presented online and free of charge. Thursday, November 9th, from 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific Time. Go to investtalk.com and register now. Hello, this is Duncan from New York. Again, thank you for all that you do. Following up from my uh, last previous question about ASC, thank you so much for the advice. My next tax loss harvesting question I have is I have two lithium companies that um, I'm at a loss, but after all the education that you've given, it totally makes sense. So as like a tax loss harvesting strategy, I know that we're at like a 10% correction and we can't tell the future, but it's just hard for me to figure out if I sell at the bottom or if I sell at a rally. So do you think like there would be a Santa Claus rally for me to sell into? Just wanted to know your insights with that too, or should I just not even hope that there would be a rally and just still sell at a loss? Thank you very much and have a great day. Bye. Well, the simple answer is, yeah, I do think there's a Santa Claus rally. Uh, typically, Santa Claus rallies happen when the market is up for the year. And guess what? Even though we've had a pullback since the midsummer, equity prices are generally still higher. And money flows consistently into markets and especially in up years. The opposite happens like last year. Last year, the market was down. You didn't have a Santa Claus rally. So that's why I've always said this pullback looked very controlled. If you look at yield spreads, yield spreads aren't winding out to a worrying degree. And it was a very controlled rally. It wasn't a massive you know, market puke lower. It was kind of a grind lower, kind of stair step, natural pullback. And so nothing underneath the surface worried me kind of near term. And that's why I said, okay, you get to some major support levels and you get a catalyst like a Fed meeting. You, you're... you're your odds are you get a bounce. Then you get into holiday season, you get a float higher. That's how these things kind of work. That's weird. But, you know, you know, near-term markets can move a lot, uh, a lot different than you expect them to simply because of fun flows, money flows that are uh, in a world where it's all about indexing. 
It doesn't matter what the economy is doing. It doesn't matter as much what earnings are. No, it does matter. It just that matters less. Because if you're, when you're investing in the indices, you're not even looking at valuations or future earnings growth. It's just automatic. And oftentimes that uh, dominates markets in the holiday season. All right, lastly, let's talk a bit about the end of the new normal. In the wake of the global financial crisis, markets embraced low inflation and policymakers took advantage. They kept rates low. They did tax cuts, expanded government spending, and our deficits exploded. But now the fiscal space is tightening. And a feedback loop is starting to develop. And markets have to digest rolling over lots of debt at elevated rates, which makes budget deficits higher, which makes you have to issue more debt, which makes budget deficits higher, right? And it's a, it's a feedback loop. And the ability for the Fed or central banks in general to ease economic shocks uh, becomes more difficult because inflation is above their target. Now, I do think eventually they're going to adjust that target. They're going to say, well, you know, 2%, let's average it or... You know, our new studies say this should be 2.5% or 3%. But overall, they're not going to have the ability to absorb economic shocks as well. And there are two structural forces in the global economy ending. One is obviously China. They're turning inward. And so they're not going to be able to recycle their trade surpluses to the rest of the world into our financial markets. For example, buying treasury debt. And they also aren't going to be a force for bringing down global inflation. And then the geopolitical landscape is changing, which means higher inflation, more volatile inflation. That's really what you're going to see. Could inflation come back down? Yes. But it's kind of like a beach ball underwater, right? Eventually kind of comes back up to the surface, bubbles up back to, you know, longer term, we're seeing expected average kind of three and a half ish. Maybe 4% long-term inflation rates. It's kind of what we are expecting, which brings a very different market regime. All right. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And please remember to register for the Invest Talk Wealth Webinar coming up on November 9th, less than a week away. It's free and online. You just have to register. All right, independent thinking, shared success. This is InvestTalk. Good night. Enjoy your weekend. InvestTalk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.